Hey there, and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. So we are going to start then our, our new series, uh, which is our Easter series. And throughout this series, we are going to explore and unpack and cover together uh, the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ, what does it mean? This wonderful symbol, this icon, this thing which is the emblem of, of Christianity. Um, what is it? Uh, why, do we, why do we celebrate it? Why is it that millions of people around the world at this time will be focusing on, on this? And, and my prayer is that if the story, the Easter story is new to you, or if it's incredibly familiar, I pray that um, God would speak to us. I love how Stu started the service. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Um, I pray that there we'd, we would all of us receive like a fresh revelation about what the cross is, what it means for, for you, what it means for me, uh, whether that's the first time we've heard it or whether this is really familiar. Let's approach this Easter with a fresh perspective. Let's stir up our expectation. Let's stir up our faith to say, God, speak to me. Reveal something new to me. Show me, Lord, the significance of your cross um, and I believe that truly wonderful things will happen when we do just that. Um, ten years ago I, I made a phone call that changed my life forever. I was, um, the, I was praying before I picked up the phone and, and I effectively said God if this is a bad idea um, I pray that she wouldn't answer. Um, you see, I was calling someone by the name of, at the time, Lauren Etherton, and I was about to ask Lauren if she would go on a date with me. And I was nervous, and I looked back, and I, I really did have commitment issues, so I was really praying that prayer to say, God, can you get me out of this? Um, and, and I was banking on this idea, because Lauren never answered her phone. Um, she still really doesn't, um, but she never answered her phone, particularly 10 years ago. Um, and, and so I, I called thinking, she's probably not going to answer, she's probably going to answer. Literally, it was like, ring, ring, hello? Like, she had her phone in her hands, and she was just like, oh, so it caught me off guard. I'm like, oh, oh hello, <clears throat> are you well? And we started this conversation, and then I, I built up the courage to get to the point where I said, oh, Lauren, will you go on a date with me? The longest silence you've ever imagined. It just, she didn't answer for what felt like five minutes. I'm like, are you still there? Yes. Her reply was this, are you joking? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was, it was, right? I was tempted in that moment to say, yes, and, yeah, I'm moving now, <laughs> I'm moving cities. Um, I said, no, and then she said, okay, and, uh, and the rest, as they say, is history. Uh, and my life, from that point, was changed forever, and uh, hers was too, if I do say so myself. Uh, <laughs> but, one moment just changed everything. And our lives are full of these moments, aren't they? Just these significant moments, be it you move city, you move country, you start a new job, you, you uh, graduate from university, you get the grades that you want. There's loads of significant moments in our lives that just change direction and change the course and change where we're heading. I would argue that the most significant moment in all of human history was the cross, was the moment where Jesus died on the cross, this significant moment, this death that changed the course of history forever. And, and, and again, I pray that we would see this for what it is, that we would see this and say, God, in the way that you change human history forever through that moment, God, change me today because the cross is still changing lives this day. So I'm going to pray. 
and then we're going to then we're going to read uh, scripture together. So, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Help us to never take these moments for granted. Lord, forgive us for when we've become over familiar with this story. And this Easter, Lord, may we approach it with with a new perspective, with a fresh sense of expectation, with new levels of faith, we pray in your wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, what, what I want to do, just at the, the start of my message, is really it's, it's map out as best I can um, uh, the story of, of the gospel, the story of, of the cross. Um, and really, it's, that's not a simple task, because it's, it's the story. It's the greatest story. It's a massive story. It's a wonderful story to tell, and I'm never really going to do it justice. You could, argue, you could argue that no one will ever do it justice to really tell the extent of what's going on. But I wanted to um, lay a foundation to slow this down almost at the beginning of the series and just plot out what it is we're focusing on, what it is that we as Christians focus on at Easter, if, if that's okay. Um, so the Gospel of John... Um, is a wonderful book of the Bible to read, and I'd encourage you to, to read it if you want like this fresh perspective of who Jesus is and what he came to do. Gospel of John is a wonderful place to start. And it starts with this, this prologue, as they call it, and it says this, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and by him all things were made. John, or the Gospel of John there, is talking about Jesus. He's saying before existence, before time, before any of this happened, there was Jesus, right there at the beginning. And he spoke through him. All things were made with God. They spoke life into being. This like, he's, he's positioning Jesus in the highest place that you could possibly ever position him. He is this maximally great being, the, the agent of life itself. And then he says this wonderful phrase, that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And he's talking about the incarnation. He's talking about the moment where God became man and stepped in to live amongst humanity. It's a colossal idea, that is. It's massive. And the Gospel of John articulates that in such a beautiful way. And God becomes man. His divinity meets our humanity, and he walks among us. And we read about his, his life, we read about his birth. We don't m know much about the majority of Jesus' life. We read about his birth, and then it says that Jesus, he grew in wisdom and in stature with favour with God and man that he lived a sinless life. And really we start to see who Jesus was and what he came to do when his ministry begins. And he just like bursts onto the scene and just starts changing the world with the words that he speaks, with how he lived, with the things that he did. Like eyes were opened, people could hear, the dead were raised, how we saw God was changed, how we saw one another was completely revolutionised. Jesus flipped the world upside down with his ministry. But then he begins to talk about, with his disciples, the fact that he was going to die, but then be raised to life again. And he mentions it again and again. The disciples don't really understand it fully. But then it happens. And Jesus, Jesus is, is taken by the religious authorities, He's, he's put on trial, um, and, and we read in the Gospels what happens to Jesus at this moment. I wanted to read it, so uh, the Gospel of Luke uh, tells the story well, but he, he's taken, he's beaten, he's mocked, he's, um, he's put on trial, as I said, and then he's taken to the cross. And in Luke 23, we read this account. It says, Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. 
and they divided his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, if he saved others, let him save himself. If he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written a notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him saying, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him saying, don't you fear God? He said, since you are under the same sentence, we're punished justly, for we're getting what our deeds deserved. This man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun had stopped shining And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. As he said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him there from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Jesus is then buried in a tomb. But there he did not stay. And it says this in 1 Peter 3, 18. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life again in the spirit. Amen. It's a wonderful story of what happens. And um, the Apostle Paul, he writes to the church in Rome, and we read the book of Romans, um, and this is a a church that's existing in a completely different context in the shadow of of the Roman Empire, that's the epicenter of the Roman Empire, and he is in the book of Romans trying his best to communicate the gospel, the significance of what happened on the cross. He's saying, this is what it is, this is what it's about, and he's almost imploring the believers in that church to share that good news. So the book of Romans is one of the clear accounts we have of what we would call the gospel, the good news, of what this cross means for us, means for you and I, and the significance of it. And we build our theology around what Paul says in Romans. And um, I want to read this out. And again, if if this is okay, I'm laying a foundation for what we're focusing on at Easter. Um, And this is the significance of what happens on the cross. And this is what was going on when Jesus died for you and for me. So it says this in Romans 3:23 and I'm going to pick up these verses that, that Paul covers in Romans Romans 3:23 for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6:23 says the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5:8 God demonstrated his own love towards us in this that while we were still sinners Christ died for us. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Romans 10, 13, for anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 5, 1, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 8, 1 says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Romans 8, 38 to 39 says, For I am convinced that there is neither death nor life, that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus 
our Lord. That's the significance of what the cross has achieved for each and, each and every one of us. And Augustine wrote this. He said, let us fearlessly acknowledge and even openly proclaim that Christ was crucified for us. Let us confess it, not in fear, but in joy. Not in shame, but in glory. This is our glory. This is our joy. We shouldn't look at the, at the cross with shame. We shouldn't look at the cross with fear that one day that will happen to us. No, no, no. Jesus has bought for us our freedom, bought for us our salvation, and we should fearlessly acknowledge and openly proclaim that Christ is Lord. He was crucified for me, crucified for you. It's a wonderful thing that we get to focus on this Easter time, this moment, this death that changed the course of history forever. forever. And really, this is the foundational truth of Christianity. This is, this is what it all rests on that Jesus died and was raised to life again. And by that death and resurrection, we can know him as our Lord and Saviour and have a relationship with him. We can know forgiveness of our sins and life and life to the full. That's it. That's the foundation. And everything we do should come from that. That's the only firm foundation that we can build our lives on as humans. Everything else is sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other things are seeking sand. And um, I know what it's like to stand on something that isn't a solid foundation. Um, a few months ago, I fell out of my dad's loft. <laughs> I, propped the, I, you know, I opened the hatch, I pulled the ladder down, I stood up into it, I was knee deep into the loft, and then the ladder just fell. And I fell, like, I don't know how tall the ceiling is, it's over six foot, isn't it? I fell and I landed, thankfully I landed on the, um, on the metal. Um, so bounced off the metal. Didn't get trapped underneath it. Just went like, bam, like this. And Mark was there. Mark comes rushing out, because obviously I'm a bit heavy, and I landed on, on this ladder. Mark's like, are you okay? My dad comes up, and their reaction is very different. It was very funny. So Mark's like, are you okay? Are you hurt? My dad was like, you didn't secure the ladder, did you? <laughs> like, I'm winded. I'm like, barely I can see that, Rog. Thank you for your empathy in this moment. Mark's like, you're right. Bless him. An hour later, my dad did say, are you okay? He's like... <laughs> as I'm still a little bit in shock from that moment. But it was an insecure, not a solid foundation. It wasn't firm, it wasn't secured, it wasn't fixed. And when we build our lives on anything other than Jesus Christ, his teaching, his word, his death and resurrection, it's not solid, it won't last. It will fail us. But we have this hope, firm and secure. It's something that we can trust in. It's something we build our lives on. It's a solid and firm foundation. And the Apostle Paul says this to the church, Church in Galatia, in Galatians 6 verse 14, he says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I never want to point to anything else. I never want to elevate anything else. I never want to take pride in or boast in anything other than what Jesus has done for me on the cross. What else have I got other than that? Who am I other than what Jesus has done for me? Who am I to boast about anything other than what Jesus has won for me on the cross? May I never boast in anything except Jesus and what he did for me on the cross. He says this to the church in Corinth. He said, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. The Apostle Paul, his job was to plant churches and to share the gospel. That's what he did with his life. That was his purpose. That's what he committed himself to. And the temptation would be, let me try and think about a really good, clever way of doing that. Let me try and use my wisdom. Let me try and use my knowledge. Let me try and use my skill and my strategy to try and convince people to believe this. But he said, like, I didn't... I didn't um, use any of those things, not eloquence or wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testament about God, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's it. That's it. That's what I want to point to. That's what I want to believe in. That's what I want to boast in, almost. 
and, and that's a challenge for me today because like, what, what, do, what do I boast in? What do I promote with my life? What do I take pride in? What do I value? What do I treasure? What do you value? What's most significant to you? What, where is your ladder <laughs> propped up against? How secure is it? Um, on, on Friday nights here, we, we run a youth group, um, OC Youth, um, and we're running a game at the moment called uh, Prime Time. Uh, and, uh, and just, just a, a bit of insight into youth culture uh, at the moment, uh, if, if you wanted one. Um, there's, there's, this, there's a drink at the moment um, called, called Prime. Uh, again, some free advertisement from one church today. Uh, and uh, we do a primetime game. We just do a silly game, and the, the objective is you win a bottle of Prime. Um, like, this stuff, it just flies off the shelf. Um, it sells for, like, two pounds or something like that. You can, you can apparently, you can sell it on for, like, ten pounds. Um, Twenty. This one, you can, in London, you can sell this for 20 pounds. A bit more sometimes. And it's the funniest thing. Because like, we'll, do, we'll do a silly game. And in the past at youth, we've done games where it's like, oh, win, a, win an Amazon voucher. Couldn't care less. Win something really exciting. Oh, no, don't care. Win a bottle of Prime. Watch the whole room turn feral. <laughs> Prime. When we, first did, when we first did Prime Time, we said, oh, you can, you can, you can win a bottle of Prime. And we said, there's, Prime, Prime is on offer to win. And you heard the room change. Oh, Prime? Prime? Is Prime? You can win Prime. Actually, Prime. You can win Prime. Yes, you can win Prime. Suddenly, the, the room was was like lit up with enthusiasm as we did these games. And it is funny because we'll just do a silly game and it's, it, it turns semi-violent um, as they try and win this bottle of Prime. And it's really easy for me as like this old jaded millennial to go, <laughs> these, these silly kids, this is just a bottle of Prime. Uh, what value they place on this? And, and it, the people that win it, they like, the young people, they win it, they take pictures of it, take selfies with it, they upload it to their social media. I've won the Prime, it's amazing. I'm like, ah, uh, ah, uh, youth. Uh, um, we all do it though like, we all value something and place more value on one thing more than we should it could be a two pound bottle of prime or it could be a two hundred thousand pound house that we, we focus on and live towards and think well when I have that then I'm happy or it could be the career that we build our lives around or it could be the something that like, what, what is it that we boast about is it our family? Is it our achievements? Is it what our kids do? Is it what we can achieve? And the good things that we can do, even, is it our words? Is it how we come across? Is it our reputation? Is it our social media following? Is it our education? Like, what, what is it? Because the Apostle Paul says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's good. Easier said than done. Because we all have a tendency towards, towards things or to take our eyes off of what really, really matters and to, and to suddenly start taking, taking pride in the wrong things. Apostle Paul, may I never boast except for what Jesus has achieved for me on the cross. Would that be my focus? Would that be my, what I orient my life around? And there's the, the wonderful hymn um, written by Isaac Watts. Um, uh, when, and he says this, When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain... I count but loss and I pour contempt on all my prime pride. <laughs> Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God, all the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. 
the stuff that I live for, the vain things that charm me, the things that distract me, the things that we can get so worried about and caught up and, and we can lose sleep over and we can talk about and, and argue about and contend for, um, all the vain things, I sacrifice them. I forbid it, God, that I should boast, save in the cross of Jesus Christ. Philippians 3.8, Paul says, what is more, I consider everything. This is after he's listed this whole list of achievements, these wonderful things that he's done with his life. He says, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. And what, what I find fascinating is, is the cross is this wonderful leveler where we can all meet. And, and if, if, if your life is filled with things um, that are good and that you can boast about, take pride in, whatever that might be for you, um, if you have an inflated sense of pride, um, the cross confronts that. Because what is that um, held against the cross? All the vain things. When I survey that wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gains, it's nothing. It means nothing. It won't, it won't last. So my pride is, is brought down when I look up at the cross. Equally, if we, if we have a, a great sense of pride or if we have a an inflated sense of, um, or sorry, a lack of self-worth. So it could be that we boast about stuff, or it could be the opposite end of the spectrum. Meaningless, I am meaningless, I am worthless. Um, there's no good thing about me. The cross also confronts that in us too. Um, because he valued you and I so much that he gave his life for us. So be it an inflated sense of pride or inflated um, <laughs> lack of self-worth, um, both are levelled at the cross. So if we think too much of ourselves or too little, um, that's levelled at the cross. And we can look at that cross and, and find our true selves and orient our lives around, around that. Um, Isaac Watts, the guy that wrote that um, psalm, um, he, he wrote that, psalm, that, that, that hymn, sorry, he wrote 750 hymns. Um, and he wrote books, he wrote books on like intellect, he wrote books on logic and thought. So his idea to say, um, oh, to say, oh, let, let, let me read it, my riches gain account is lost, I pour contempt on my pride, forbid Lord that I should boast, save in your death. It didn't mean that he was unproductive. And it didn't mean that suddenly all he ever did was just like right. contemplate the cross right. and think on the cross yeah. and just, just exist there. His, his life, as viewed through the lens of the cross, propelled him to do some wonderful things. He did some amazing things with his life. And I, I believe this, that if you and I can orient our lives around what Jesus has done for, for us, his death and his resurrection, like we, we find our true selves, we find our true meaning, we find our true purpose, and we can do what God has called us to do without getting in the way. Um, but we view everything through the lens of the cross, and it's from that place that we're propelled to do what God has called us to do. And we can do some wonderful things together, you and I, that give glory to Jesus, that point back to that place. It doesn't mean that we're unproductive. It doesn't mean that we just sit and pontificate and wonder and about the cross. No, God has called us to do some amazing things for his glory that point others towards that amazing gift. 
um, of the cross there. In, in 1 Corinthians uh, 1.18, Paul says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. And, and I realise this, that as we will speak about this over Easter, and as we'll focus on what Jesus has done for us um, and unpack that, um, it's, it's way more than, a, than an intellectual exercise. It's way more than just retelling the story and thinking about it. This is... This is revelation. It's, it's the power of God for us who are being saved. And, and our prayer as a church should be that, that God would, would send people our way, give us the opportunity to share the gospel, but they, they, that people would hear it and understand it, that God would open the eyes of, of the hearts of those that, that are listening to it. So it would be way more than an intellectual exercise where we go, okay, yeah, Jesus did that but that it would mean something to people. It would come to life for people that would be real uh, for those that hear it. It would be real for you and I and change us from the inside out. It's, it's foolishness for those who are perishing. I watched a, a debate between Richard Dawkins and John Lennart, I believe his name was, the God Delusion debate it was called, and they spoke about uh, Christianity and atheism and they battled all these things out and, and they, they laid out their final arguments and, and the, the guy for Christianity, John Lennox, need to find out his surname, he, he, said, he said all these wonderful arguments for the existence of, uh, uh, of, of God and um, all these brilliant intellectual points. But then he finished with the cross. He said, really, that's all that matters. And, and Richard, Richard Dawkins, I remember, his response was so patronizing and so like, ugh, you've, you've laid out these wonderful things and then you bring that up. How foolish, how, how simple, how ridiculous. And, and it is, if it's not true, right. but it's the power of God right. yeah. to those that are being saved. Yeah. Yeah. It's so much more than just a, yeah. a thought exercise. Right. God, give us, the, give us the eyes to see what's really going on. Lord, help us to, to, to see the significance of the cross each and every day in our lives. Um, and that needs to be a prayer for those that maybe we're going to invite over Easter or, or share our faith with, to say, God, open, open their eyes to see the significance of this. Some people, there's some intellectual stuff they need to get out of the way just to help them get to a point of understanding, but really it's this, the Holy Spirit illuminating in their life what's going on there. So I wanted to um, finish. We're in, in a moment, we're going to take up, we're going to do communion together. Um, and Jesus gives us this amazing, um, sacramental, sacred moment where we can remember his death and his res- resurrection. We're going to do that together as church family. And the kids are going to come over um, in a moment as well. Um, but I wanted to give everyone in this place an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And we're going to do this every Sunday over the Easter window. Um, that if you have not made a decision to say yes to him, to receive him as your Lord and Saviour, to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you can do that now. It's as simple as that. Or maybe you once made a commitment to follow God, but for whatever reason you've wandered far from him, um, in this moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to put that right and to accept the free gift that is salvation and to, to believe in that wonderful work that Jesus did on the cross. So just, would you please just bow your head, close your eyes. Just a moment between you and God. And I'm going to invite you to accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. Um, very simply, just want to pray for you. So if that is you, if you feel that God has, is calling you in this moment, speaking to you, um, you can say yes to Jesus today. So after the count of three, and, and you can do this online as well, 
um, you can respond to this prayer. After the count of three, I'd love you just to, to raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. One, two, three. That's brilliant. You can pop your hands down again. Yep, see your hands there. And online, you can pray this with me as well. But Jesus, we thank you for what you did for us on the cross. Thank you by your death and resurrection, we can know salvation, forgiveness. We can be given new life in you. And Lord, I thank you for everyone that put their hand up there, representing a, a, a heart decision to say yes to you. I thank you that instantly in a moment of repentance, in a moment of turning ourselves towards you, we become your children, become child of, child of you. And, and, and I pray, Lord, that they would know your presence. I pray, Lord, that they would know that you are with them in this moment and that you will be with them every moment of this wonderful journey that they are now on. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we just um, congratulate those and just celebrate with those that made that decision? It's honestly, it's the, the best decision you could ever make in your life. And, and we, as a church, we'd love to help you. Um, if that was the first time or you just want to talk with someone about what that means, and there's a great team at the back and they'd love to process that with you. Um, we've got something they want to put in your hand as well, just to help you take that next step in faith. Online, please let us know as well if you made that decision and we'll get in contact with you and just help you take that, that step as well. Um, I love that. And I'm believing there's going to be more people over the Easter window that are going to say yes to Jesus. Um, uh, youth on Friday, Luke isn't in the drums. Luke Gomez preached an amazing message somewhere over there. I can't see anyone. Preached an amazing message. And we had new young people in the room that said yes to Jesus as well. Um, I believe that Jesus is irresistible. And then all we need to do is say, this is what he's done for us. Do you want to say yes? And then he will call people to himself. Um, so let's be brave over this Easter. Let's invite our friends and family and believe that uh, we'll see new people added to the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, um, Stu is now going to come up and lead us in a time of communion as the kids join us as well.